The 12 Days of Restless, Day 12. Well, Pastor Michael, I just announced the 12th day of the 12 Days of Restless. It's over. Now, uh, I just like listened through the last episode we put out, and I thought that was the last one. <laughs> So day 11. Yeah, I thought day 11 was the last one. I didn't realize. I thought we had recorded up to 12, but I guess not. And so here we are. I guess I get to experience the last day one more time. I'm we now are. extra sad. <laughs> yeah, we are going to finish off the 12 days of Restless with a normal full episode this week of Restless. Though some of our 12 days got pretty close <laughs> they to it. Were, they were basically a full day. Oh, man. And so if you are... Um, sad to not be getting any more Daily Restless, please definitely let us know. We're also, uh, I'll make this announcement right now, we are nearing 100,000 downloads, everybody. And we're going to have to throw a party when we do so. And so if there are, if you have ask us anything things you want us to do, if you have questions, clarifications, feedback you want to send us, we're open to what that episode might become yeah so if you remember we hit fifty thousand downloads on the day of our one year anniversary that was october 31st yep and so we hit fifty thousand downloads after one year and we're already now almost to the end of january we've almost doubled that and we will um before the end of january hit it if we keep up unless everything just plummets now like everybody's mad because we ended the 12 days don't worry we'll do some We'll do some uh, Mars Hill content to keep that alive. Get those numbers back up. (laughs) (laughs) And so we're 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 just yeah. If there are yeah subjects, if there are tweets, if there are you know if there's stuff you just want us to do on our extravaganza, we had fun. I mean, really did. It was fun to do. It was fun to do kind of shorter bits about these little like tweets or those sorts of things. Um, You know, it. I'm I'm looking forward to getting into some more you know longer episodes again. I think, but but it was enjoyable to sit around and do it. We have like four people on deck for interviews that yeah. we just have to schedule. And so there's a lot of fun, great stuff cooking. And here on the last of the 12 Days of Restless, brought to you by the Deacon of God. Deacon of God. Don't forget about this. Um, if you haven't bought it yet, a bunch of you are buying it. It's been great to see. Um, we'd love to have some more sales of that. Help to sponsor the Restless podcast. Help us to do things like the 12 Days of Restless by buying this book. So this yeah. is a book, if you remember, uh, at this point, I hope you do, but maybe you're coming in fresh. I'm going to talk to you like you've never listened to this podcast before. Um, hi, we're a podcast <laughs> about mostly new Calvinism type stuff, but a lot of other things. Uh, but we wrote a book or really edited a book together called The Deacon of God, and you can find it on Amazon. We'll put a link in the description uh, here. And so we wrote this having this book that has to do with the the role of the civil magistrate, the civil government, and the role of citizens in a civil government, uh, really based off of some of the episodes that we've done that kind of delved into these waters a little bit, some of the controversies that have to do with, you know, modern day politics and and these sorts of issues, instead of just taking some hot takes, uh, which we like to do from time to time, uh, we decided and said we actually want to do something beneficial and and hopefully, you know, effective and fruitful even uh, and put together this book. So we went through uh, a bunch of the historic reform confessions, pulled out what they have to say about the civil magistrate and civil government and, and you know, Christian citizens and, and these sorts of things and compiled them all together along with some uh, discussion questions that you can use for you or for a group and then uh, put it all together in what I hope is a helpful format and that people will find really, really beneficial as they think about these things from a Christian perspective. Yeah, so grab the book, support the show, and we really do think and hope it will be helpful to you. And so as we come into the new year, as we come to the end of the 12 Days of Restless, I just thought it would be great for us to start things off right. Start things off well and really do something. We don't do a lot on our show because you have a church, you have your own study, and there are lots of other podcasts that do this. We are going to look at a passage of scripture. And the reason is very simple because one of the things, if you've listened to this show for a long time, you know one of the big motivating factors for us beginning this show was knowing that there were lots of people who were involved in New Calvinism that, like us, as it kind of broke apart or became less popular, wondered, one, what happened, which is a lot of what we do on the show. We talk about what happened. And and two, the feeling of kind of lost. Well, what do I do now? And 
over the last few years, when we kind of felt a desire to make this show, it became when all of these guys who were following a lot of these leaders and part of these movements became disillusioned with these leaders or saw some of them fall from ministry. Shall I say, rise and fall (laughs) from ministry and wonder, what do I do when I see all of that? And we obviously, over the last 12 days, uh, we've had some fun, even at the expense of some of that. And so we wanted to look at a passage that just recently has kind of really struck us and really struck me as, what do you do when you see Big Eva falling apart? Or what do you do when it's beclowning itself? What do you do when you're disillusioned with what's going on? And so we're going to look at 2 Peter 1, and we're going to look at specifically... 5 through 8, but we'll probably uh, talk a little bit on either side of that. And so we're just going to take a couple of minutes here and we're going we're gonna to talk about this passage. And I hope by the end you'll understand why we think this is, if you were a new Calvinist, this is, this is good marching orders coming into 2022. Not from us, but from the word of God. Yeah, so th- right. So this is a, it's a great end, hopefully, um, to what we've been doing on these 12 days. But really, this is also kind of how we see uh, going into this new year, this is kind of our focus for the year. We mm-hmm. always kind of have a little bit of a, a focus. We're still in winsome winter, at least for a time. It's a very cold winsome winter here. Oh, yeah. Uh, but we also are just kind of thinking about the whole year and thinking, okay, maybe this is kind of a way to structure a lot of what we're doing in a way that is actually edifying mm-hmm. and not just fun. <laughs> yes. And so, Pastor Michael, will you read uh, verses 5 through seven, which will be the kind of, fo- we'll call it maybe the focus of the year, and then we'll kind of wor- work our way around it. Yeah, I'm going to actually start back in verse three. Perfect. Okay. And then why don't you go to, why don't you go through eight then? Okay. Do the whole, kind of whole main thought there. Great. Uh, so starting in verse three, first Peter, or second Peter one, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so verse 8 shows why I wanted us to take this focus. Because Peter says, if you possess these qualities or these things that he's just described... What's not going to happen to you? It's going to keep you from becoming ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, these are terms that are often used sometimes for false teachers. These are used for, yeah, I mean, these, we don't think of unfruitfulness as that bad. But biblically, it's a curse. Yeah, I mean, if you are, uh, if you have the seed of faith planted within your heart, you bear fruit, right? So yeah. this is, I mean, you can go to the teaching of Jesus, go to the teaching of Paul, um, go to the teaching of Peter, obviously. And like the idea of of a tree that does not bear fruit, well, that's a tree that gets chopped down. And so I think, if anything, what we have watched and what the, what the, the one of the feelings is, was new Calvinism very fruitful? And that is the feeling. And as we look at these leaders as they seem to, ha- we know they have the knowledge of the gospel, but right, we we just did eleven days of seemingly obvious failures to apply it of the scripture, and so the question is, what do I do? Do I do I belligerate on Twitter? What do I do? And what Peter says, well, you need to avoid this, and there are qualities you must pursue now. Before we go on, Pastor Michael, it might feel a bit rich to a listener to hear us describing 
So what do you do when you start to see these things? And we have a, a podcast, a bit in the cottage <laughs> industry of pointing these things out online. Do you uh do you do you think it's a do you think it's all right for us to encourage us and our listeners to to be fruitful while we will be returning to the rise and fall of Mars Hill? We'll <laughs> we'll continue to point out TGC tweets and stuff. Yeah, so we want uh we we are of the opinion that bloviating on the internet is not the most fruitful of activities. Um, not necessarily that it cannot be of any benefit, obviously, because we think it's worthwhile doing a podcast like this and and uh, you know uh, getting to know others who are you know kind of swept up in these movements like us. Um, one of the things that we've said from the beginning is that what we want to do. I mean, we obviously we have a lot of fun and pr- almost definitely. Do we go over the top sometimes as far as like, let's pull out this tweet and, you know, make fun of uh, sure. this person for a while? Um, is that, uh, you know, problematic at times? Probably. You know, the, the chances of us... You know, Mark Driscoll once said, I'm going to repent beforehand because I'm going to like this too much. <laughs> That's, that, is, that is a great, uh, great way to think about what we do here, I guess. <laughs> That's such a good line. Yeah, I know. Oh man, so many good lines. Yeah. Well, but we do. I mean, so the reality is, we like we're going to sin in in how we handle ourselves on this podcast, um, just like we sin in thought, word, and deed daily, uh, as we you know uh, confess uh, from the Westminster Confession. So we know that we know that that's going to happen, um, and yet uh, we have seen this as being beneficial because what we want to do is we want to help uh, build. I guess discernment, I, you know, there's more than just that, mm-hmm. even as we talk about this and what, you know, we're going to walk through in this passage. Uh, but we want to help build others up, those who were, you know, are in very similar places to us, who have gone through a very similar, like, theological journey as us, have gone through, you know, kind of this rise and fall uh, with us and, you know, watching some of these, these other leaders or following them for a time and, and now not knowing what to do. Um, we thought this is of value to help these people. Yeah. Um, now, will there come a point when the Restless Podcast is unhelpful? Maybe. And at that point, we will have to revisit whether we can uh, you know, continue to build it. But one of the reasons we want to do this at the end of the 12 days is because we don't want to be unfruitful mm-hmm. and ineffective. We want to be fruitful and effective, even with what we do here. And, and I actually have a very specific biblical reason I'm okay with how our podcast works and talking about this. Because Second Peter is actually famous that he goes on for the next two chapters and picks on false teachers. Yes. He he spends the rest of this letter pointing out abuses in the church and false teaching and then ends it all with um, a the day of the Lord is coming. And so they better run for the hills. And then he also ends it with something that isn't a correction and he's saying, and I know it's okay if you find Paul hard to understand too. <laughs> and so... I feel a, a great kinship here with Second Peter, with the the Apostle Peter's writing. As, but I do think Pastor Michael is right. We at Restless do not discernment is probably a lot of what we do, and discernment is not everything in the Christian life. It is a fine and it is a needed part of the Christian life, as we said when we did that episode. But it is not everything, and it also has the power to teach, but does not have the power to build, which is what we think this passage focuses on. And so I think, Pastor Michael, why did you immediately want to take our reading up two verses before we began what the virtues we're going to describe that um, Peter calls us to? Yeah, I mean, well, just for the simple fact that in verse 5 it does start by saying, you know, for this reason. So mm-hmm. what is the reason? Why Why is it? Well, it's because uh, we have been called to God's own glory and excellence uh, and he has granted uh, us, uh, he, it says, verse 4, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. So uh, this idea that we have been called to glory and excellence, we have uh, now um, become partakers of the divine nature. These are kind of the, the, the base, the reason for now why he's going to go on and say this. So it it starts with that, you know, uh, foundational promise, the foundational truth. And now he's going to build upon that uh, as we're talking about building yes. and say now supplement to these things, all of this. Yes. And and this is what is it's so important about this passage. 
the the commands, the call to this growth to supply yourself with these virtues is is rooted in the divine promise that you share in the divine nature. That yeah, you, for maybe even a word that you just used could be a good um, kind of analogy or picture of just the very idea that like this like the the roots of what mm. we're talking about do go down into these truths right this right. is the the fertile soil the you know the uh the soil full of water and nutrients and everything that is necessary um this is what it is right it's it's the fact that we have been called to this uh that we're we've been made uh through Christ partakers of the divine nature so now because of that we are to grow up right we're to grow um and become what we are to bear fruit as we're supposed to and unlike the gospel-centered movement, the next direction was not believe you participate in the divine nature even harder. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Peter Peter gives a direction from that foundation to go forward. Yeah, absolutely. Even right, right, even focusing specifically on like here's a it's a call to action of a kind, right? It's all and now it's all based in that yes that foundation right it's all based upon that foundation but it does go beyond that it doesn't stop there or in paul's words well i I say paul (laughs) in in the author of hebrews words uh if you know uh whoever you think that may be uh it's moving beyond that milk that you Mm -hmm. should be beyond and moving to solid foods and so yeah so from here let's let us look at these verses so we have the reason the reason is what god has done the reason is what god has promise the reason is what god has made us in christ to be and he says to supplement your faith so obviously supplement your belief your understanding of that your faith in christ with virtue now i don't want to walk through we're not gonna i don't want to walk through these things on a granular level i want to kind of but what i think there are a few things we need to understand is i think this passage is often lacks a lot of the kind of oomph it can have because we actually don't have very good definitions in our minds for these words and because they're such kind of basic words we assume oh i know what that word means and so i don't need to think about it but paul peter i'm sorry is writing in and using terms that had very well-defined meanings in classical greece and this is actually a time where commentaries aren't everything but they can help you get good definitions of this and so for my money, uh, just as a sidebar, if you're looking for a pretty good, every every volume of it I've experienced has been really positive of a modern commentary series, I really like the Pillar commentary series. For my money, if, if you were to say, what modern commentary series should I buy, I would pick that one. I haven't read every volume, but everything I've ever read in it, I've really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. And so using that commentary, I was able to really get a good picture of what these classical greek classical roman words meant and what paul would be what would what would be communicated to the people now what do i need and and even this word of supplement this word supplement is like supply this is you bring your own supply this is you you are going to work at these things and so the first thing he said is virtue and pastor michael i'm sure you know virtue is a a big loaded term and i realize in our day at least for me personally i do not have a good sense of virtue as a thing separated from all these things i would have said you should have good virtues and i thought of all the good things virtue in peter's mind and and in his reader's mind would have largely been a separated thing so it was arete which was a virtue and achievement so arte is the greek word that's the word that's used here it was also a minor greek goddess and so in battle is where it was often originally associated with it was associated with strength mm-hmm. if you talked about a virtuous person in marriage it meant loyalty to one's spouse so right this is you being at your best now you can't you would not be considered virtuous in this sense if you did a few good things this was a concerted lifelong excellence in in you know or in or in battle right you were became this way through many battles so virtue is something that it, it, this is it includes a, a kind of consistency yes. in all of this it's not so it can't be like a well i did this thing therefore i'm virtuous right it was this 
ideal that kind of took the course of a lifetime to be, right? And now what's interesting about what Paul tells us. Paul? It, oh, ah, <laughs> it's a second time. I'm going to have to edit some of these out. <laughs> Peter, uh, uh, what's very interesting about this is that the Greeks, right, this, how do you attain this this best version of your of your virtue they believe that this was actually basically out of reach of commoners this was something that the more high status members or you know military commanders could achieve but the commoners were probably never going to fulfill this right the goddess for what that what what this tells us about their understanding of it was the daughter of justice and so this is kind of the idea of justice births a person of of a lifelong pursuit of this mm. in, all, in all areas of life. The word where we get the word virtue is Latin, and that comes from the Latin ver, uh, which is man, yeah. which is interesting. And so it was again in Latin. It began with an idea of battle, like it had to deal with you were so virtuous, like manliness, manliness, or right. You were faithful in battle. You showed strength. You showed courage. You showed excellence. Yeah, play the man, Master Ridley. That's, That's what comes right. to mind. Yes. That kind of idea. And so you were loyal to your military unit. You showed strength. And obviously, it became used in culture more widely. And it had less to do with, you know, specific, you know, battle. And civilized version was being the good citizen, right? You viewed all... You were doing all things in, as a citizen. Now... What's interesting about this and why the Christian concept is what I think is awesome when you think about it is Peter tells his audience and you to supply virtue to yourself. It doesn't matter if you're of high status. It doesn't matter if you're a soldier. You don't, these things aren't limited. These aren't casted out like they would have been in Roman and Greek culture, but you get to you can supply this to yourself because you participate in the divine nature. Yeah, well, and so it's important to go back to that, the very fact that just earlier um, as we read, and this isn't clear when you just read it, we read it in the ESV um, mm-hmm. because of the way that it translates it. Uh, but it does say uh, that uh, God called us to his own glory and excellence. The word excellence is the same word, right? right? It's, virtue. it's virtue. You can translate virtue. So that all of this, even whatever... To whatever degree the Romans and Greeks understood this, what was it rooted in? The character of God, the only God. Yeah, well, and so just the very idea that you have been called to this, it reminds me of where in 1 Peter, uh, Peter calls uh, the people to holiness, you know, and God saying, you know, be holy as I am holy. Seems very similar to me now, uh, this idea that, you know, you are called to virtue even as the one who calls you is virtuous right to his his very virtue his standard of virtue even yeah so how do we how do we pursue virtue this year this is the question i'm going to ask you pastor michael as i define these yeah it so it seems to me that uh if you take some all of those various things so that's a you know um even the way that we look at it this is probably one of the reasons why we don't have a ready you know, at hand definition of these things, because many of the contexts that virtue was seen to be played out um, are not very common anymore, or at least even if they are common, they're not always necessarily held up as the most uh, important of things in kind of a democratic liberal society. Uh, But what I'm thinking is, you know, um, obviously you don't have to be a, a warrior on the battlefield or something like that. But when you bring all of these various definitions together, what you have is this very idea of like consistently doing as you should, or um, that maybe is a little, or or as you can, <laughs> just <laughs> right. Uh, no, but but being like so being consistent in life, and the fact that um, you know you are brought into uh, or called to God's very virtue, and the fact that this is not you know left to only certain people, mm-hmm. it means that this is a kind of consistency that is possible wherever you are at, right? So so whatever, you know, whatever socioeconomic status you have, you can have this kind of consistency, mm-hmm. um, this kind of excellence in what you're doing. Uh, and so I'm not, I'm not totally certain um, the best way to bring that all together. Uh, but one of the things that is very, uh, shall we say normal, a common sin today, is that of uh, being inconsistent in life. 
So you know, this is maybe we could we could use the image of the you know last minute text to say, oh, sorry, I can't make it because something else came up, right? So none of us we we are not people that like to commit ourselves to anything. We're not people that like to stick with something. Mm. Um, we have very short attention spans. We're quick to move to the next exciting thing. Uh, even what in a lot of new Calvinism was it all about? Well, this was, I mean, this was the new exciting kind of a thing. Okay, who's the next big teacher? Who's the next big, like, where's the next big conference? That's what we have to go to. Um, so it's it's moving from these, you know, one excitement to the next excitement and continuing to do that. Uh, and what does that do over time? I mean, in so many areas, this you just have this law of diminishing returns. Uh, you have the constant seeking for new pleasures. We're just well, maybe that's a good way to put it. Like we are people that are just driven by our our passions, by our pleasures. Uh, instead, we want to be virtuous. We want to be consistent. Uh, so we want to be consistently uh, seeking to do those things which uh, we know to be godly, be like the character of God. Consistently doing those things that God has set before us as you know uh, as as primary uh, ways in which we can actually uh, be the kinds of people that he made us to be, right? So we, we can seek to become more what he has made us. So again, this found, the foundation is that we're called to this and we are this, right? Like we, we have been made partakers of the divine nature. Therefore, there needs to be this consistently uh, consistency in seeking after those things, right? You are this way, therefore become this, right? You, you, you are holy by virtue of being united to Christ. Now, therefore, be holy, because you are united to a holy God. Uh, so that I, I see a very similar thing uh, yeah. as far as that goes. Yeah, I think so. I think that under this heading, I think we will this year at least once talk about the virtue and the reason for practical skills and hard labor. Uh, I also think as we go through this list, what what dawned on me is all of the, all of the churches and uh, generation before us that in many ways, the theology of Calvinism excelled their dispensational theology. They excelled in us in all of these things, in all of the things that actually are, that Peter describes as participating in the divine In nature. actual godliness. So this is where like, yeah, like your, your dispensationalist grandpa who like went to his like fundamentalist Baptist church every Sunday right. and was consistent and, you know, like raised his kids in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and believed a lot of kooky, silly things about what the Bible said about the end times is by far uh, greater right. than you and I because uh, he was consistent. He was he was virtuous in this way. Can I also say, uh, you know, maybe another uh, way that I like to think about this is like this is the difference between actual virtue and virtue signaling. Boom. So this this is what we do. We're we are a culture of virtue signaling. We don't do anything of substance, but we like to talk about doing things of substance. And you can obviously see that like there's so many ways that you know the idea of virtue signaling is used out in the world or when it's talking about like you know those who are woke or those who are whatever. Like you can just you go on Twitter and you bash somebody, um, you know, and that makes you better. Uh, we do that, right? I mean, we 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 have maybe done it for twelve days. Right. Uh, we like we you know, but uh, even even as much as like within our circles, how many of us like we're we're constantly you know we're buying books. Look at all these look at all these books that I just bought. These reform books. How many of us read them? Right. You know, uh, we are constantly talking about oh what a what a horrible false teacher you know uh, teaching these various things out there, uh, or what a you know. Uh, what a silly thing, like we've just said, to believe in, uh, you know, dispensationalism or something like that. We, we have all these problems or to be an Arminian or all of these things. Uh, and yet there are so many people that believe these things and yet far exceed us in actual virtue. Or, or you know, you're out there, you are calling out the, you know, these these errors online. Have But how many people in your own life do you actually need to confront with problems that they might have or problems between you or how many children have you attempted to teach any of those things you know yeah absolutely and so i i do agree i think this is a good year for virtue not virtue signaling and so i actually think the next thing on this list is a thing we would have assumed maybe we got and maybe there is some degree where this was one of the uh qualities of new calvinism that was in some ways commendable so he says to supplement knowledge to our virtue but this again 
what you have to understand is it's again it's still different than the faith it's different than the faith what this is is this is the described as the wisdom and discernment a christian needs for the christian life this is the understanding the significance of christ and the 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 knowledge needed to walk that out so this is more like knowing how to parent and less like knowing um every verse quoted in romans 9 and you know how how Paul is using every single verse in Romans 9 or knowing, you know, to stick with Peter, I've got to stop getting Paul in my head or I'll keep getting confused. <laughs> knowing exactly who the the in-prison spirits that Jesus preached the gospel to were. This is more like you know how to parent. You know how to walk through suffering, right? These are the kinds of things. You know how Christ has significant to walking through the Christian life. Yeah, so it's not, you know, are you... Uh, you know, like a head on a stick. It's actual, practical, real life discernment. Right. It, it's 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 learning to do family worship and not read systematic theology. It's 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 those kinds of things. And we we've obviously have a great praise for uh, family worship and these kinds of things. Uh, well, unless you have anything to add, let's go on to our next one. So this next one that is described is self-control this is talked a lot about in classical literature this was highly praised it was contrasted with desire uh, and more specifically the desire to be feasting or sexual indulgence it's it's it probably sounds like this might be a fairly relevant oh man <laughs> relevant thing yeah, to like in focus our on. in our uh degenerate culture where we are driven completely by our lust and i just sent this to matt the other day uh but was listening to <laughs> listening to a broadcast where uh it you know quoted uh recent you know uh uh, a recent bit on NPR where they were talking about how problematic the size of doorways is because it discriminates against people. Um, you know, I'll let you figure out uh, why it discriminates people, but uh, against people. But it, it's, we are so like, we're so guilty of just indulgence on every level. Yep. That this just man that hits the spot, you know, like, man, we need this. Yeah. And, let me read you kind of two two quotes from the classical period that kind of offer a description. So the first one is from Josephus in his uh, Antiquities. Uh, we ought esteem those that do what is agreeable to temperance and prudence no less glorious than those who have gained a great reputation, reputation by their actions in war. So Josephus says, if you are a self-controlled person, which is the it's translated there as temperance, you are you have achieved the same level of glory as having fought in a war and won. Wow. Um, Philo, uh, another favorite of people to quote from the classical period, he says, "The opposite of desire is temperance, self-control, which one must endeavor and labor and take pains by every contrivance imaginable to acquire as the greatest blessing. Temperance being a pure, unblemished virtue." neglecting everything which relates to eating and drinking and boasting itself as superior to the pleasures of the belly may be allowed to approach the sacred altars. Now, of course, you're also going to see, um, you're going to see where it gets towards the stoicism, right? It's going to, it clearly, th this is going to be an important thing is these definitions were taken from that culture, but especially by the end, you will see that he is not just encouraging them to try what, Try at life what the those outside in Greco-Roman culture. Saw so Peter's that. not saying like be the best Roman you can be. Right, but he is saying as we as I really do believe he's saying with because you participate in the divine nature, you actually can attain what they can't get to. Hmm. A, I do, a kind of self-control that maybe they virtue. can't. Right. Yeah. A, okay. a kind of right. spiritual self-control. We start self this in virtue. This isn't accessible to everyone, but it is accessible to those in Christ, and in and Peter. Right, and you see how these work out, right? In Rome and Greece, this becomes stoicism. That's never encouraged in the scriptures. But self-control is, and sorry to say this, we could use a little more stoicism and a little less everything we have. Yeah, right, so uh, maybe... We are, there's no, you probably aren't listening to this and on the verge of 
going too far into stoicism. Yeah, you're too, you're too much of a stoic, right? <laughs> that is that is far from just like when we talk about how like legalism just simply is not the primary issue right. today, but license is. Uh, maybe we could say you know this one could be like uh, you know temperance, not treat yourself, right? You know, yeah. Like the, oh, that's the good. Whole, the whole culture of like just hey, do whatever feels good, like treat yourself, like yeah. Oh, you want to get something? You want to buy something? Buy it quick. You know, you can have it delivered right away. Like you can go. This is part of the problem, though. Like this is what makes it so hard. Is we do live in a time of you know decadence where we are unbelievably wealthy. So uh, like I've this you know I I don't know that we need to include this in here, but like I've I have lived well below the poverty line and probably still am technically I don't know what the line is right now but like I've I've been in this place where I'm like technically in poverty in our like understanding and I'm like I have more than almost anybody if you go like a couple hundred years before me like I, I have more mm-hmm. like I, I am I am unbelievably un- almost unimaginably wealthy compared to so many I can go on Amazon right now and just order almost anything that I want. Like I, I have access to all this knowledge. I, yeah. I, like I I have so much. And I just remember being shocked by that when I was like, I looked it up and I was technically, you know, below the so-called poverty line. And I just thought, wow, like this is, that's where we're at though, yeah. isn't it? Like we, yeah. we are so wealthy. And part of the difficulty of self-control right now is that what desire do you have right now? Well, guess what? Like you can, it, yes. it can take you seconds probably to like drive to the nearest like restaurant where you can get any kind of yes. food that you want or at least, to go online and just look up any kind of depraved image that you want to see right now. Like you could do it. Or at least get a dopamine hit. Yeah, absolutely. Like, even if I can't afford it, I can watch a YouTube video about the thing I want. Yeah, right. It's like I a YouTube af- unboxing. I can't afford it. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but this is the how per- many YouTube videos are there, by the way, of people just eating food? Right. There's a lot of those videos, and I've watched some of them. Like <laughs> this, is, this is why this. I mean, this is this is why. Right. For my own example, is the 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 fact that I'm in my house. I'm like, ah, there's nothing to eat here. I'm driving to a restaurant. There is a lot to eat in my <laughs> house. It just doesn't meet my very specific desire of the moment oh it's i'm so guilty of this yeah. there's so many times i'm like yeah well we've had this food more than twice this month i'm kind of sick of it <laughs> yeah and this is and this is and this is why I, I like this list and i like even working through the definitions this way these are all very earthy they're yeah. all very action oriented right an action could be go 14 days without eating at a restaurant that could be a that could be an action. Obviously, the things regarding sexual purity. I mean, this is the time to that. I mean, the, this isn't the this isn't the place in the Bible where that is handled. But that is the most obviously for the Christian. That's the most obvious example of thing that our culture is going wild with, and we must become self controlled Yeah, be different. Also, here's the encouragement too uh, when it comes to self control. Um, the reality is, and Scripture, I think, uh, at least implicitly, uh, makes this clear: uh, discipline begets discipline. Mm-hmm. When you live in a disciplined way, and you le- learn to discipline yourself, even in one area of your life, this just it spills over. Every area of your life is connected. Yeah, this is a reality. So when you learn self-control in some area of your life, if you're like, man, I'm just out of control with my spending, if you can find a way to be self-controlled in this area, it will affect the other areas of your life this this is uh dave ramsey's been getting some heat recently but actually i think some of these things one later will be more surprising i think these are like this is so dave ramsey-esque here's your envelope of money that's all you get to spend another very obvious example is why don't any of us pray or fast because we have no self-control sit here and pray for 15 minutes oh it's hard that's that's a that's a difficulty when well, I'm, you know, for me, well, I know someone's going to, I know someone's probably tagging the Restless podcast and it would be fun to see, right? Just my silly desire to see that. Well, okay. All right. Give me my daily bread. Oh, this guy oh, tagged yeah, us. Yeah, look, <laughs> look over here. Oh, it's so okay. true. You know, we let, I, and so, lead me not into temptation. Maybe I just succumbed to temptation. You yeah, know, like this right. is how bad it I, is. I led a, a prayer service uh, here at the church at one point, And one of the things we did at first, was we just took 10 minutes. Of silent prayer. Right. So the whole room is totally silent, basically. You know, and there were, I think there were probably some kids here. And so, you know, obviously, you know, there's some noise. Uh, we're not, like, trying to make some kind of fake silence. But but we were like, let, I just thought, you know, it would be good for us as we begin, you know, an hour or hour and a half long prayer service that we spend 
time in silent prayer. We're never silent, right? We're, we're in a world full of distractions. And it was like, for almost all of us, it was the longest 10 minutes you can imagine. Of like course. just sitting in silent prayer before God for 10 minutes. That should not be difficult. Right. 10 minutes is nothing. This is why, this is why when you go, if you are, if you, and this is, we'll come to our next one. If you are going to a reformed church for the first time or the first time in a long time, um, like myself, you will be struck when it is time to pray. And we are going to spend, it is not a, we're going to send, we're going to send up that three sentence prayer to bless my 40, my, not 45 minutes, 60 minute sermon. Now we're going to pray for about 10 minutes. <laughs> and, and that is, to, it just feels, what is happening? It's hard. It's, it's, it's not easy. And I lead the prayer a lot yeah, of the time, you know, like it's, it's so unnatural in our time. Oh, it's, it is difficult. Because, and this is why we need self-control. Yes. And, and this is why the next one on the list is encouraging because it's perseverance. This one is, uh, some of these interestingly like virtue, um, virtue and knowledge in these some of these are actually fairly limited to second peter but perseverance this word this is talked about all through the new testament you have a good idea of of all of these words you probably have a very good idea of what perseverance meant right perseverance in the greek days it was described of soldiers because obviously they had to fight you had to in that day right there was a long battle long walks to go find the battle the the jewish writers started using it after they were persecuted uh, in the first century. And so they described perseverance for a Jew was you having undergone these persecutions for who you are. Now, Christians, we've used it all over scripture, right? This is the, this is what is, this is the, I'm going to stand firm in my commitment to Christ, right? And in Peter's day, in the face of persecution or other hardships. And we're describing things that we are, you might be so weak like us, <laughs> that some of these things will be difficult. And this is a call to keep going. Keep at it. Don't stop. Yeah. And this is, isn't this uh, so often our experience where like we, we are driven by a kind of idealism or perfectionism where when we fail, we're like, oh, I might as well just give up. Well, we've got another one. Perseverance, not perfectionism. Yeah. Perseverance, what, not perfectionism. What do you is, do? We're doing an episode on each one of these. We have to I do know. This. this is so great. Because what do you do when you, when you checked your notifications while you're praying? Do you sit down and do you introspect and feel crappy about that? No. Turn off your phone and do it again. Yeah, get to it. Like you you do not have to, because Christ has died for you, you don't have to feel guilty about anything. It's not to say that you don't feel guilty when you sin. You still do, sure. But when you can confess that sin to Christ, knowing that you have been completely forgiven of everything you will ever do, and that Christ died before you were ever born. I can say that, you know, to everybody that listens to this. That's right. Christ died before you were born, knowing everything you would ever do. And if he died for you, he died for all of it. And so like, you don't have to um, carry it on your shoulders as if somehow, like, now, oh, man, now I messed up. I might as well just give up on this. No, like... God was not unaware that this was going to happen. You're a Calvinist, for goodness sake. That's right. Like, you knew that God knew that this was going to happen. And yet, he has still called you to uh, partake in his divine nature. He has still called you to godliness and to mm -hmm. virtue. And so, this is not the time to say, well, uh, like to wallow in your guilt and your shame and say, oh, I might as well just give in all the way to temptation. I might as well just give up now. I might as well, you know, my New Year's resolution of like reading the Bible every day, right. I missed it once. I might as well just give up. That's right. No, that's, don't like be consistent again, you know, be, be steadfast, continue, don't give up. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm excited for this next one because I already have our, our special name for it. It's godliness. And actually, I grew up in the church and heard about the call to be godly and pursue godliness. And can I be honest with you, one of my pastors, Pastor Michael, I never knew what that meant. Be, I just assumed it was like we took the word God and then added L-Y. So be <laughs> like God. So I guess it was do everything right all the time. Yeah, like I could. And it's like, well, I'm not I doing that. I couldn't identify with that. <laughs> Surprise. But here in Peter... What is what is the word here? It this is godliness is piety. This is a very this word is actually this is one of the other rare words in the Christian ethics lists. Uh, the only other place you find it is in First Timothy six eleven. In case you're just 
uh, interested, but it's another favorite word for the Greeks, just like virtue. This is the word piety. And so, Pastor Michael, the year 2022 is the year for piety, not pietism. There you go. Beautiful. Look in, at this. In, How is this? We didn't plan all this, by the way. These. This these, is just coming out. These are... This is just this is just a radio brilliance just hitting us. This is so fun. Um, and what what was piety in that day? And I'm going to read you a, a, just a few, just two, one a little bit longer quote by a scholar about the describing of piety. But piety, yes, did include your relationship to God uh, or the gods, and of course the Greeks. But it was. How do you live in regards to all authority and especially, we might even call it the hierarchy in your life because there are times where you are above people. So this is, how did you, how did you live in regards to God, you know, in their culture, your ancestors, your family, your parents, your children? Do you, do you, are you living your place out? Um, And so here's a little bit uh, longer quote. The word pious does indeed refer, like its English derivative, to devotion and duty to the divine. Uh, This is the reason cited by Poseidon in the Iliad after saving Aeneas from death at the hand of Achilles. And in the Aeneid, he is always, this is what uh, the the hallmark pious person was. He is always mindful of the gods, constant in prayer and thanks, and dutiful in his sacrifice. sacrifice. But the word pious and pietas have a larger latin and wider meaning perhaps the best english equivalent we have is something like dutiful you are mindful to your duty always not only to the gods but to your family and to your country and obviously peter would add the church in this case right and uh cr wiley who writes a lot on this he summarized it as piety paid its debts this is why i it's a Again, this is a little of the Dave Ramsey thing. It paid its debts. It did what it agreed to, and it was it was always mindful of these things. Pastor Michael, what either con- contrast that with the the pietistic piety that we are all more familiar with, and what this kind of piety can come out can add to our lives? Yeah. So this is what uh, what. I'm thinking of. Um, so this is, you know, C.R. Wiley uh, talks about this, and you know, with the Anid, uh, is that how you Anid? Anid. Anid, uh, I believe. Anid. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm not. You can see, I'm I'm not uh, as aware. Uh, anyway, uh, I, I believe he says it about that that there is this picture of you know of this caring of one's father upon your back and the holding the hand of your son, and that this is kind of like a a central image of what piety looks like. Mm. Um, so one of, what does that mean? Well, like it means that you have obligations outside of yourself, your own pleasures, your own desire, your own, what, what your own dreams, you have obligations to others, specifically in this image, right? You have a, an obligation to your fathers, those who have gone before you, uh, maybe even specifically your parents. This is uh, central to the biblical commands, honor your father and mother. Uh, and this is the first command with a promise, you know? And so um, this is not something that you can you can give up lightly. Uh, but what I'm thinking is that very often, especially today, we have uh, shirked our obligation and responsibility toward our fathers, toward our parents, uh, as well as our obligation toward our families, our children. And often we justify that on the basis of doing something that we think of as piety when it's not truly piety, right? So we're doing something. How many uh, missionaries and pastors and ministry leaders have you read about who neglected their families and now are seen as like these, you know, great men? A.W. Tozer. I know we all read him. We're all, you know, like blessed by the stuff he wrote. Do you know that he absolutely neglected his family? There is a, a, a point, I read a biography of A.W. Tozer, and he is one of many, by the way. This is not like, uh, this is not a small amount of people. Many of the so-called great men that we read a lot about and we aspire to be like were awful men when it comes to piety. They were not pious men. We would have thought of them as pious because they read their Bible a lot, right? Because they uh, do things like A.W. Tozer, who would lock himself in his own study for hours at a time away from his family because he had to be right with God before he went before the people of God and brought the word. Mm. 
Well, why couldn't he do that with his family? Right. Why couldn't he do that with his wife and kids who did resent him for it later on? And, and we discussed this in our family worship episode. Absolutely. And, and actually, that was on my mind yesterday when I was like, I need to read Second Peter before we do this episode. And my daughter said, what are you doing? I said, oh, I'm reading the Bible. And she said, read it out loud to me. And so I read <laughs> yeah, well, you better, yeah, <laughs> out loud to my daughter. Otherwise, there would have been that conviction yeah, that comes yeah. later. Yeah. But, so, Pastor Michael, how is this? Because I think, again, this is not a thing we do. I have obligations, and that is what defines what I'm going to do in life. Yeah. That does that is not what defines. No, no, what we do is we say, well, here's what, right? Well, God has called me to this. And what I mean by that <laughs> oh, is no. I have an internal desire to do something, oh, no. which means that that's what God wants me to do. And it doesn't matter who I have to sacrifice to get to that thing. Yeah. It and doesn't matter if I can't, yeah, I'm not going to be able to take care of my parents because I have the dream to go to Hollywood or whatever. I don't know. That's like a, a, a weird, yeah. obscure thing. I don't think anybody listening to this it's, probably did that. It was but, Corban for Hollywood. Right? Exactly. It's Corban. Like, this is exactly what Jesus said. Like, you, you tell people that they can break the commandments of God. That's what we're doing. Like that's that's this kind of piet. That's what we mean by pietism. There are many things that we see as godly things that people are giving up on the more central. It's it's not a matter of like these things might not be okay things. Was it a fine thing for a guy like A. W. Tozer to study the Word of God and to sing hymns in his study by himself? Well, like on its own, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Right. Uh, however, when it's done to the neglect of the weightier matters of the law, then it is a bad thing, yeah. right? So you have neglected the weightier matters of the law. And isn't it funny that if I'm saying instead of pietism, which is what I would think of when I think of piety, how far from the definition of this word is the, uh, this? oh, this would be about having an internal emotional experience. Yeah. How far... Because it's literally like outside of you, objective, like things, obligations that you have to others. Regardless of how you feel. Yep. That you, a pious person, it literally would be a pious person, regardless of how they feel, keeps their duty to their family, church, country, and God. Yep. That would be piety in this sense. And, and again, it's, it's when you watch what the words that are added, right? Virtue is a category in itself of excellence. Because he then lists all these other things that need to come with virtue, yep. right? He's like, don't just be, right? This is not, you don't just get to be a great person. And that's what we're talking about. I need you to add these things. Because no, all of these things, right? They're definitely, it's it's clear that this is not like a, like a, here's this thing and then you move on to mm, this and yeah. then you move on to that. No, this is a, this is a fruit of the spirit type thing. The, all of these things are things that you need to be uh, supplementing. They're all together. But, but right now he doesn't leave feelings behind. The next thing no. he mentions is brotherly affection yeah, we're we're doing we have to do an episode on each one of these i'm just oh, fired yeah. up now yeah and i don't know what we what this would be but we as you think about it, think about what we can make our comparison to because brotherly affection so this is again think about this this is the the, the reason i want to emphasize this is what you see is you could be pious without brotherly affection in some sense now what is the word brotherly brotherly affection it's one of the like Five Greek words you know because you've watched the Rob Bell <laughs> Numa videos. It's Philadelphia. Yeah, we Phil- call it you know brotherly love. It was uh, sometimes it's translated brotherly kindness. Now, what is shocking when you think about it is we think about it as like the love of friends or something. The like the not agape but not sexual love, but that is again a pretty poor understanding. It it is the it is better uh, translated, as I'm in reading again from this commentary, as the affection you have for family. This was, uh, you know, again, a, a thing that was praised in the Greco-Roman world, right? It is affection. It is generosity between you and your brothers and sisters, your parents, your children. But what's strange, what would have been strange to a Roman, and and we know this when we read about what they see in the Christians is, you see it in Roman, the Book of Romans. You see it in other places that you are to have this affection for those in the church. That is what would have been very unique about the Christian understanding of this term is is not that it excluded how I should feel about my own family and how I should respond to them in their times of need, but that now the church, those around me in Christ are now 
are now participant in this. They're a part of that, right? Because you are a part of the family of God. We've been, all of us have been adopted as sons of God. And so we are now co-heirs with Christ. And as such, we are, we're brothers and sisters. We're fathers and mothers. What does Paul say in First yes. Timothy? How is Timothy supposed to treat other people in the church? Well, older women as mothers, older men as fathers, you know, uh, younger men as brothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. This is how you're supposed to treat one another. So you're supposed to think of each other as family and have this kind of affection toward one another. And this is something that, you know, uh, there are many times that we, I think, ignore God's command to brotherly affection because there are times we don't like each other. Mm. So we, like, we don't always get along. We often have personalities. I mean, how many of us, every single person listening to this podcast, if you are going to a church, and if you're not, why aren't you in a church? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah. uh, reach out to us. We can help you find one wherever you are, maybe. Uh, but if... It's so common that every single one of us, there's there are people around us in the church that we're like personality wise, I don't like I I don't want to spend time with this person. Yeah. Like they I they get on my nerves or you know they bother me for one reason or another. Maybe they're just weird to me, right? Just yeah. the way that they live, whatever it might be. Now, one thing to remember is that you are that way to someone else. <laughs> right. Every like some people think that exact same thing of you, um, but it doesn't like it doesn't matter. Right? This is similar to, I think that this is one of the beautiful things about putting all these things together, right? Virtue, self-control, um, this kind of consistency, uh, godliness, piety, um, is that like, it's, it is not about you. Right. It's not about your personal felt needs in the situation. Um, what this is about is about obeying God. Mm-hmm. You, have been, you have been made a partaker of the divine nature. And like, how has God treated you? Well, you are a co-heir with Christ. You've been adopted into his family. What What is the affection that Christ has shown you? That is the kind of affection that we are to show one another. And, and I think if, I think there's another another way we miss it. And I, and I, again, I'm, I'm trying to find my, my opposite to compare to, but if the, the fact that it is brotherly affection is an inherently local phenomenon mm. because it's something I can feel towards my family and Christians. This isn't the, generic which the thing we excel in today is the love for all mankind yep i love everybody right uh, the <laughs> you know i am working for the freedom of oppressed people in china and have ve- you know this is this is a very yeah this is a this again the idea of brotherliness is is not one that is a expandable across all across the world this isn't a universe this isn't universalism this can't be in those love yeah there's a I, i'm not going to remember it exactly but there's a great quote from paul johnson in his book the intellectuals where he says he's talking he says it both about he talks about rousseau and then he's talking i think about mary blake shelley and he says you know shelley like rousseau loved people like in general or like the idea of people but he he hated people individually like mm, actual people sure. he hated he loved the ideal in his mind about what it what a person was but the actual people he despised yeah. and that is man that like maybe not to the same degree all right. the time maybe we can hide it a little bit more but that's often what we're like yeah and and then this is a this is one of the ways the final mentioned on this list is one of the ways you know this is a what we would call a distinctively christian list because you know we we have these again i i agree with pastor michael i don't think this is kind of a this isn't a staircase to walk up but there are reasons it's even seemed apparent to us there are reasons he's walking he's maybe even listening him in the order he does but it seems that right he starts with be excellent and then he describes various things to excel in and i do believe he ends with a a very uniquely christian thing this was not a this was not a term thrown around a lot in in the roman and greek world this was love this is of course agape this is this is the love this is the the unique christian love the love of god and this is not an emotion this is not a this is again it's 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 different than brotherly affection. It's different than the re- reaction you're supposed to feel and have towards your family. This is the instruction of how you are to act towards one another, right? The the list that should come to mind is 1 Corinthians 13. Patience, 
kindness, goodness, gentleness, right? I'm just doing the fruit of the spirit. <laughs> You're doing the fruit. Yeah. yeah, love yeah. is patient Placing. and kind. Well, yeah. Does not envy, envy does, does not boast, etc. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So I mean, and this is this is the greatest, right? The, the, this the, is the, greatest. the whole of the whole of the law can be summed up in this. Right. Love. Right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Um, it, it all, the greatest of these, right? The, and these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Uh, this is uh, so central to everything. And like you said, this is in part, uh, there, there's a distinctive Christian element to all of these. Yes. But this being the crowning virtue, this is one of the things that sets Christianity apart from all others. Uh, the fact that love is at the heart of it all. And that's because God is love. You know, like this is this is central because it's who God is. And if we have been made partakers of the divine nature, which is what Peter says, this is what it looks like. So, uh, wow. So we need uh, a whole episode on virtue, not virtue signaling, temperance, not treat yourself, perseverance, not perfectionism, piety, not pietism. But we need one now for knowledge, for brotherly affection, for love. Yeah. So we'll have to come up with those. Hey, if you're out there and you and you have an idea of what we can do, we need knowledge, we need brotherly affection, we need love, we need something that rhymes with them, kind of, yeah. <laughs> or that fits well within our scheme yeah. that we've uh, addressed here. And we'll try to do we would uh, guess, this year an episode on each one of these. Yeah, we would guess our Baptist listeners will be good at this. This is your guys's. Uh, <laughs> Come on, you guys are good <laughs> at this. This is your memorable. time to shine. This is this is what you've been preparing for, listening to all those sermons. <laughs> yeah. So, well, thanks for joining us. Uh, this has been the Twelve Days of Restless. This has been this week in Restless. Join us next week when uh, we'll be back to our usual uh, skullduggery. I yeah. guess. Yeah. Hey, get the book. Get, get the, the book. book. The Deacon of God. 